Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Pray one last time before we begin. Father Jesus, just want to thank you this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for all that you have been speaking to us. Thank you, Father, because you have set us free from the law, and now we are under grace. So I pray in Jesus' name right now that we may receive something from you. We know, Jesus, that all that you speak to us, that all that you give to us is based on grace and grace alone. So I pray that today you may speak to us again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Amen. Let me share with you something really quick. Uh, maybe you went through this when you were growing up, and it's something that happened to me, and I want to just, just remind you and ask you about this. As you were growing up, you are told that you need to study very hard to get good grades. And it is true, you need to study very hard to get good grades. And my middle schoolers know this. My college students are dying because of this. So they know this. You guys know this. And you face this every week. And you are told as well that when you go to work, you better do your best because otherwise you can get fired, you won't get paid. And you know, if you don't, if you're not the best one at your job, you know, we don't need you here. And sometimes we even hear from our parents, look, why are you not like your cousin? Why are you not like such person? You know, they do so good. Look, look, at, look at the kids of, you know, your aunt, your, your, you know, my sister. They, they study, they do all these things. They're great kids. But look at you. You know, you're not good enough. And now they are comparing you with other people. And sometimes you compare yourself and you say, I want to be like the, those people. Or sometimes you are told by your parents that if you disobey them, God is going to be angry at you. So your parents graze you saying that if you don't do such things, God is going to be angry at you. But your parents, they'll love you always. So they tell you that God is angry, but they are not. They love you. They're good parents. So they are telling you that God is angry, but they are not angry. So they are literally telling you that their love for you is greater than God's love. And that's what I want to bring up today for you because some of us, we are living a relationship with God where we have to try to prove ourselves every single day. Every weekend, every life group, every day in your life, you're trying to do something so God can approve you. You're trying to do something so you can get an A. You're trying to do something so you can get more blessings. Let me get paid more this week. So let me work harder this week. You are trying to do things so you can stop comparing yourself or maybe so now now you, when you compare yourself, you are greater than other people. So you say, you know what? I prayed more, so I'm more blessed. Oh, you know, we know why I'm like this? Because I'm better than these Christians, these people, these brothers and sisters. And we keep living in this life of comparing ourselves and always trying to improve and be better in our own. And I want to bring this to light today because you have not understood yet. Your trials, the things that you do will never work. You will always fail when you try to please God by yourself. You will always fail when you try to earn God's goodness and favor by yourself. You will never succeed. But life has taught you that if you work hard, you receive blessings. And now your mind is set to this reality that if I do a lot, if I do a lot, if, if I pray more, if I read my Bible more than such people, if I sacrifice my life and do all these things for God, God will bless me more because I'm doing such things. And that's what we are preaching. Be freed from this life. Be freed from the law and be captivated by grace today. Amen. So Galatians 5.1, and I'm following up with Pastor Raphael, it says like this, For freedom Christ has set us free. 
So we stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So Paul begins, you know, speaking to the Galatians of verse 5, and he's saying, look, you have been set free from the reality of trying to earn God's favor and grace. You have been set free from trying to work in your own for something. And, and you might be thinking, yeah, I was freed. I was free from the life of sin. I was free from, from, from the devil. You know, now I can enjoy these things. But I, you know what? Let me try to do some things still because I just want to make sure that God is happy. And you are always trying to do something. But the truth is you face the reality that you are never sure. You are never sure if it was good enough. If you're never sure if your givings today were, were good enough. You are never sure if you pray enough. You are never sure if you have read enough. You are never sure. You always face the reality that you are never sure. So Paul is saying, stop trying to be sure. Just believe. It is a reality. It is the truth that God is already pleased with you. But you know what? We have been free, but we want to go back to the yoke of slavery. And Paul is saying, please do not go back. Stand firm. Believe by faith. Do not go back. So I want to ask you today, freed from what? What is Paul saying? Christ has set me free. Free from what? Free from the law. Free from having to fulfill the law. You know, some people like to say that the law is very evil. See, Paul is saying that we have to be free from the law. So the law is bad. The law is evil. The law, you know, is not something good for us Christians. But that's where you have it wrong. And I have seen people preaching like this saying, you know what, guys, the law is very bad. Don't fulfill the law. See, we should never fulfill the law. Don't try it. Don't do it because the law is bad. But that's a lie as well because the law in the opposite is perfect. The law is holy. The law is great. And Paul goes on to say in Romans 7, 12, he says, So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. The law is good. The law is holy. But now you're all looking at me, so why should we be set free from the law? If the law is good, why should we be set free from the law? If the law is good, why is Paul trying to remind the Galatians that they should not go back to the, to the yoke of slavery? You know, the law is good, but the problem is not the law. The problem is with us. The law has nothing to do with our sin. The law actually was created to show us that we are sinners. So the law is showing to us, look, you are hurt. You have a problem. You, you, know, you are going to hurt yourself if you keep trying, if you keep going that way and on that route. So the law is good, but at the same time, you have to be set free from the law. You know, and I, I, don't, wanna, I don't want you to get it wrong and thinking, oh, what? So if it's good, why are you trying to tell me that I, need, I have to be set free? Because some of us, we are trying to fulfill the law, but we face the reality that it is just impossible. You know, I am unable. It is unbearable to try to fulfill the law because, you know, it kills me. And some of us, we are trying to please God by keeping the commandments. So we live under constant condemnation and anguish because as we try, we understand that we never get it good. We are never good enough. And every single day, you know, you come to service, you go to church, you, you know, you pray at your home, and you're saying, oh my gosh, have I prayed enough today? And you go to work, and oh my gosh, and if something bad happens at work, you say, what, what did I do this week? You know, oh my gosh, maybe I, I sinned this week, maybe I, I didn't treat my son such person in a good way. Oh my gosh, I missed life group Wednesday. That's why my, my job is horrible on Thursday. Oh my gosh, I didn't go to Sunday service. That's why Monday was just 
horrible. And, and, you know, I got fired or something really bad happened. No, COVID happened because the church is sinning. And you face this reality where nothing is good enough. You are never good enough. And we, despite being saved, we still live as slaves. And that's the truth. You have been saved. You have been set free. But some of us, and I'm not saying it's all of us, some of us, we try to fulfill the law. So we live as slaves. And Paul is saying to you today, please don't live as slaves when Jesus Christ came to set you free. So the law is a bondage from which every believer must be set free. Paul says, do not submit to slavery again after you have been set free. Do not accept living in prison after you are released. For freedom, Christ has set us free. In other words, Christ has set us free so that we are truly free. Our previous life was slavery. Jesus Christ is our liberator. Conversion is our ladder of freedom. We can no longer subject ourselves to living a life that is not one of full freedom. Amen, church. To the surprise of many believers, our freedom is not in the first place a deliverance from sin, but rather a deliverance from the law. To be set free from the law is to be set free from having to please God. So I'm telling you today, you do not have to try to please God. And that's a dangerous message to tell Christians that you don't have to please God. And some of us are looking at me like, oh, this guy's crazy. He's nuts, never preaching again. I'm here to tell you, stop trying to please God. Stop trying today. And the second point of my message is stop, try, is stop trying and start trusting. Stop trying and begin to believe again. Believe that God is already pleased with you. And you don't need to try to please him because he looks at you and he's satisfied. He looks at you and he's pleased. He, he finds joy in you. And you're looking at yourself and say, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough. Oh my, and, and there is something telling you. And, and then you go, wow, you do something bad. You actually sin. And now you come back and you say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so messed up. You know, I do all these things. It's all my fault. It's all my fault. And God is saying, calm down. My love for you never changed. What I spoke about you never changed. You know, I, I'm actually reminding you that Christ is in you. And that's what God is trying to tell you. But we need to understand that first, we need to be free from the law in order to be free from our sinful nature. Because some of us, in order, in trying, while trying to please God, trying to fulfill the law, it's not that we want to fulfill the law, really. We just want to be holy. So in order of, you know, trying, you know, in trying to be holy, now you want to be sinless. You want to stop trying. You just say, God, I don't want to sin no more. You know, I want to be free from sin. But the Bible says in Romans 6, 14, that's Paul saying, he's saying, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. So look what Paul is saying. For sin will have no dominion over you, not because you, you know, stop sinning. Not because you're holy, but because you are not under the law. So the equation is not because I stopped sinning, now I'm no longer under the law because I'm not a sinner. I'm holy, so I'm, I fulfill the law. Now, you know, I'm under grace because I, you know, I did all these things. I'm not, I'm not sinning. I'm, I'm not under the law. I'm under grace now. I can, I can enjoy God's blessings. But that's not how it works. God is saying, because you are not under law, you will stop sinning. Because you are not under the law anymore, now you'll be free from sin. So the problem of Christians is that they are trying to be holy 
instead of first being free from the law. We should be free from the law for sin will have no dominion over me anymore because I'm not under the law. Because I'm not under the law now, but under grace, now I'm holy and I'm righteous and I walk in righteousness. You understand this? So when you go home this week, when you go to work, when you live out your life, stop trying to not sin anymore. You say, I don't want to sin anymore. You know, I, you know I'm just not going to sin. I'm not going to think evil thoughts. I'm not going to, you know, look in the wrong way to the wrong person. I'm not going to do all these things. And you're trying to stop sinning. Stop, don't, don't do that anymore because, as you notice, it didn't work. You know, you have, you have tried. It just never worked. Try to not be under the law anymore. Try to be under grace. Try to find grace. Remind yourself that you are under grace. Now, if you try your way and didn't work, try the way that Paul is saying. Try to be under grace for the first time in your life. Say, Jesus I'm under grace. Jesus, I'm forgiven. Jesus, I'm righteous because you say that I'm righteous. And I, I, I bet and I challenge you that you will experience this life, that sin will not have dominion over you ever again. Amen, church. So be delivered from the law. Be, be free from the law. So then you can experience freedom from sin. Grace means that God does something for me. The law means that I do something for God. Stop trying and you start trusting. If the law means that God requires, me, requires something from me, then being released from the law means that he does not require anything from me anymore. You guys understand that? If I am on the law and it means that God is requiring something from me and that's the law, so that means that not being under law anymore, bring, being freed from the law means that God does not require anything from me anymore. There is only one requirement, and it's to believe. It's to trust. It's to believe that Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law in your place. You know why you don't need to fulfill the law anymore? Because God himself made the necessary provision. God was provision. God provided everything that he needed to fulfill the law. God fulfilled the law in your place, so today you don't have to anymore. Brief, brief, being free from the law implies that he, do, he has already done everything for me by his grace. So I don't need to do anything to be accepted by God or to please him because of the finished works of Jesus Christ on the cross. He's already at peace with me. But you know what? The problem is when we become Christians. We become Christians by? Wow. That's the next generation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. We become Christians by? Church, let's try again. Come on. We become Christians by? Because you believe. By faith. But then you're a Christian now. God received you at home. You enjoy the blessings for a moment. But then you say, ah, oh, but I feel like I should do something to please my father. You know, I, I feel like I, I got to do better because I know he received me. But what if he tells me to leave because I'm not doing everything that is required? So I come in by faith, by love, by grace. But now I want to live under the law. So church, stop trying to go back to the yoke of slavery. Stop trying to go back to where the, the place that just released you from. Amen. So I, I want you to understand this. So Paul brings up in Romans 7, he brings this illustration of a woman and her two husbands. She had a husband, but now she wants another husband. And the first husband in, the, in Romans 7 says that he was a great man. 
He was a strong man. He had, he had a great personality. He's a perfectionist, actually, to the extreme and demanding to the last degree. So this man is very hard. He is like a, a great man, but he's too perfect. He's too good, and he, he demands so much from his wife. This man, however, is married to this woman, a slothful woman, a lazy woman. For him, everything is defined and precise, but for her, everything is transformed into a big mess. How can there be joy in such home? This woman lives an unhappy life with such a husband. Although the husband is demanding, no one can condemn him because he is correct in all his actions. You know, there is this husband married to this woman who is not good enough. This woman who never keep up with the requirements. This woman who is never going to be good enough for this guy. And he is very demanding. He, he, he demands per perfectionism. Perfectionism. He demands perfection. He demands, you know, that you be the best in everything that you do. But this woman, she cannot. But you know what's crazy? That in this marriage, in this relationship, the husband is not the problem. The woman is the problem. No one can blame the husband. No one can say, no, you, are, you're, you, know, you, you, you demand too much. No, no, he's right to demand what he demands. He's right to ask for what he asks. He's right because he does. He fulfills the requirements as well. So he looks at her and says, look, I'm doing all these things for you. You better do the same for me. And it, she's in this relationship, and she looks at him and says, Jesus, I'm so bad. I'm slothful. I'm lazy. I'm such a mess. I can never measure up. I can never keep up. You know, this guy's going to kill me sometime. So her husband, he helps her. He says, you know what? Let me write 10 uh, points which you should please me with. So let me write 10 rules, and I want you to fulfill them. If you fulfill these 10 rules, I'm happy. I'll be pleased. That's all that you have to do. So this, this woman is looking at him and saying, yeah, thank you for the help. You know, you summarize all the requirements that you have, but it's still, I can't fulfill those things. I can't fulfill the requirements. I can't keep up. You know, this woman one day finds this other guy, and this other guy, understand this, he's not less demanding. He's not less, he, he doesn't require less from the woman, the opposite. His demands and his, and his perfectionism is, is even higher, is even greater. He demands even more. He asks for even more. But the difference from this guy to the other guy is that this husband, he helps his wife fulfill all the requirements. This husband demands more, but he helps her in everything that he demands. He tells her, look, if you cannot do it, don't worry, I'll do it for you. Look, if you cannot fulfill the requirements, don't worry, I'll do it for you. So this man is no less demanding. He demands even more. But he fulfills all the, de the, the demands and the requirements in her place. So the question is now, she's married. She cannot marry this other guy. You know, she, she's married to this husband by law. She cannot go and just stay with the other man while both of them are still alive. So one of them, they have to die. But as you know, you know, the first husband is the law. The woman is the church, is you. And the second husband is Jesus Christ. But here's what you need to understand. The Bible says in Matthew 5.18 that the law will never die. Not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So this woman is... She has a miserable life. She's living this horrible, in this horrible, demanding relationship. 
but she cannot do anything. She cannot get divorced. She, she, she's just saying, can you just die, please? But now she finds out that her husband will never die. So what can she do now? What's the only way out? The only way out is if she dies. So the Lord Jesus, he does not demand less. In fact, he demands more. But what Jesus requires, he himself fulfills. And now, in order to even marry him, you know what Jesus does? Romans 7, 4, Jesus says, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another. So the only way is if we die. And the Bible says that we have died with Christ so that you may belong to the other husband, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. So look, this husband will never die. The law is perfect. The law is good. The law is great. But the law is not for you. The law is to show you that you cannot keep up. And now you die with Christ so you can marry Christ Jesus. So you can be with Jesus himself. And Jesus is saying for you, you don't need to fulfill the law. I will fulfill in your place. You don't need to try to keep up with the, with the demands and, and all the commandments. I'll do it for you. Amen. We were set free from our old husband, the law. Even though the law still exists, we are no longer affected by it. Unless you go back. Unless you do what Paul is saying. Unless you place yourself again under the slavery of the law. Unless you place yourself again under the yoke of slavery. Unless you choose to go back to this place. The law has no power over you. The law has no power over you unless you allow it. And Romans 10, 4 says that the, the end of the law is Christ. Christ is the end of the law. Understand this. The law is finished. The law is paid for. The end, the, you know, the end of the law is in Christ Jesus. So now it's up to you. You get to choose. What are you going to do? You know, you might be asking yourself, okay, I'm free from the law. You know, I understand this now. You know, I understand that I don't need to live in this old relationship that was you know, so demanding, was killing me. But now I can step into this new place where I can enjoy God's blessings. And you need to understand this. The reason why people do not want to lead, maybe, in your life group, in your you know, group of friends, the reason why people might be leaving, you know, your life group, and the reason why some people don't want to walk close to you, church, it's because you are trying to keep these standards and these rules and these regulations. And you try to ask them to fulfill them. Why you yourself cannot fulfill them? Please stop trying to ask from people what you yourself cannot do. Please stop trying to demand from people. Show them the new husband. Show them Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? When people find Jesus, when people find the husband that fulfills the law in their place, they will never leave Christ. People will leave you. People leave the law, people leave Moses, but they'll never leave Jesus. People leave religion, people leave the church, but they'll never leave Jesus. There's no way, you know, I, I heard people many times say they don't like the church, they don't like people, they don't like a bunch of things, but they could never say they don't like Jesus. Because Jesus always came through. Jesus always fulfilled the law in their place. Okay, great message, amazing. You know, I feel good now, thank you. I got it. So what now? So that means I can do whatever, and there are Christians that will come to me saying, thank you for saying that. Now that I'm free from the law and I'm grace, I will do everything. 
Finally, I'll live. Finally, I'll go to clubs. Finally, I'll, you know, sleep around. Finally, I'll do all these things that are evil and sinful because I am under grace. Grace allows me to sin. They come to me and they say these things. And I'm just like, <laughs> missed the whole point. But amen. What do we do now? What do you do with these people? You know, my third point, and that's where we, we're going to close, you know, right, not right now, but in a few minutes. Preach Christ. If you want to know what to say to these people, don't tell them, do not sin. You know, when I have people that come to me, actually it was, you know, not too long ago, someone came to me and said, you know what, Pastor, you are too nice. Because look at these people. They come to life group. They go to this place. And then after church, they go and sin. After church, they go and go to clubs. They go in and do all these crazy things. They sleep around with girls. You know, I have guys in the church that they, they help in the church. But then, Pastor, they leave and they do all these things that you don't even know about. And I tell them, look, I don't even want to know about. Thank you, God, that I don't know about. That the, the, you know, there's a reason why I don't want to know about. Because the only thing that I care is to know Christ. And when I see them, I want to see Christ. Oh, no, but they have sinned. Yeah, but Christ has not sinned. And Christ is still in them. Even if they have sinned, Christ lives through them. So now, you want me to preach a lot to these people. I'm not preaching a lot to nobody. I'm preaching Christ. And that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.21. He says, Jews ask for signs and Greeks seek wisdom. We, however, preach Christ crucified. You have to preach Christ crucified. And then the following verse, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, he says, For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. So church, let me tell you something. Stop trying to know extra things among people. Stop trying to know how bad they are, how sinful they are. Stop trying to know their, you know, their dark secrets and whatever. We choose to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The only thing that matters is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Nothing else matters. You know, some of us, we want to find out the dark secrets about people so we can tell them how to change it. You know what? You know why you keep going back to this sin? You know why you keep mis mistreating your wife? You know why you keep doing this as a husband? You know why you, you, you as a youth keep, doing, keep sinning this way, going to clubs, doing all these things? Because you don't know there's three ways, three principles to be free from sin. There is only one way to be free from sin. It's to be free from the law. There is only way to be free from the law is when you are under grace. And there is only way to be under grace is when you believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So don't try to come up with ways for people to be free, but preach Christ and Him crucified. Okay, really nice, but what does that mean? Preach Christ and Him crucified? No, nothing but Christ and Christ crucified? Crucifixion was the greatest expression of love from God towards us. There is no greater expression of love than crucifixion. But also crucifixion was the place that Jesus Christ took all of our sins forgave us, gave us new life, washed us with his blood, and healed us. So you want to preach something? Preach Christ and him crucified. Because, because when you preach Christ and Christ crucified, you will find out that there is nothing else that you need to preach. Amen, church. Amen. We need to understand this because when we choose to know nothing but Christ crucified, all that will come out of us will be God's love and God's grace. So as you preach now, stop bringing, stop, you, know, you know, there are some people that they work with the devil. They're partners. You know, the Bible says the devil is the accuser, and there are people that they want to accuse people as well. 
So they say, you know what, I'm such a good Christian. This church, look at them, look at such a leader, look at such person. Pastor, come on, we got to do something. And I'm like, man, how much the devil pay you? Because God paid you with Jesus. There's no greater payment. Stop judging people. Stop accusing people. Stop bringing condemnation. You know, the, the Bible says that the one who is the accuser is the devil. Are you his friend or something? What's wrong with you? And I got to remind them, you are not, you know, you're not devil's partner. You are Jesus Christ on earth. Everything that you say should, should look like Jesus. And right now, you don't look like Jesus to me. And you remind them, look, you are not Jesus right now. So be like Jesus. Stop working with the devil. Stop, please. And you know, you know, the devil likes when you do this because he can take a break. Oh, thank you, such person. You help me. Oh, day off. I don't want to give the devil no day off. I want to make him work very hard. I want to make him try to convince you otherwise that you have been set free. I want to make him try. Really, I want to make the devil crazy. When he looks at you, he won't know what you're thinking. You know, you made a mistake. You spoke the wrong way. And at that moment, Jesus reminds you you're righteous. And the devil is saying, oh, look, he's going to go the, the bad way now. He's going to sin again. I'm going to lead him again. And then you step back and you say out loud, I am righteous. I'm forgiven. I'm under grace, not under law. So, so sin has no dominion over me. And when you say that, now you, you behave not according to the law, but according to grace. And the devil is just, what the heck is going on to these people? What the heck is going on with this guy, with this girl? No, love will lead you. Love will guide you. Okay, but I preach love. It's not working. You preach Christ in them. Galatians 2.20 says like this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So, husbands, can you please touch your wife right now? Wives, can you please look at your husbands? Can you feel them? And can you believe that Christ is in them right now? Can you believe that everything you say to them, you're not speaking to them, but you're speaking to Christ? Can you believe that everything that you do now, you do through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ? It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Church, guys, youth, you don't need to sin anymore. You don't need to go to clubs. You don't need to get high anymore. You don't need to go look for drugs. You don't need to go back to your old self. Christ is in you. Live out the life of Christ. Every time that you don't know what to do, just ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And there is one answer for this question. He would always love first. Jesus would always love first. Jesus would love their neighbor. Jesus would love himself. You know, sometimes we lead our, ourselves to this place that is not a good place. We go back into sin, whatever old self lifestyle they used to have, habits. Let me remind you of something. Christ is in you. You can literally experience Christ on earth right now in you. You can literally live the life of God right now. And I, when I ask you these questions, when I say this to you, I just want to remind you this, that you know for a fact, and I know you know, that Jesus would not submit to anything less than God's perfect will. So when I say that Christ is in you, I'm actually telling you, you know, right, that Christ would never submit to anything else but God's will, but God's perfect will. So 
Every time I'm about to do something or someone asks me, and I like youth, I like leading youth because they ask you a bunch of questions that you just should go ask God. And, and you know, they come to, to you and ask, hey, you know, Pastor, can I do this? Can I go to this place? And I ask them, have you talked to God? <laughs> no, no, I just want to ask you if I can. You know what? I'm not God, right? Just, first of all, I can't forgive you. I can't save you. I can't do anything for you. So ask God right now. And the question you ask God is, God, is this your will? Is it your will for me to go to a club? Is it your will for me to sleep with this girl? Is it your will for me to get drunk? Is it your will? Is this your will? And you know what God is going to tell you? Of course not. <laughs> Most of the times when you ask him a question, if you're asking God if it is his will, it's not his will already, first of all. Why would you ask? Holy Spirit is in you. He teaches you all things. Holy Spirit is never, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit is never going to God like, God, is that your will? Holy Spirit is in you. He's not asking God if it is his will. He knows. So when I live my life, I'm not wondering, ah, is it God's will? No, I'm just led by the Spirit. I just, yeah, I believe this is good, this is great, this is amazing. If you, you know, it's God's will. Amen, church. Amen. Stop asking people. Stop asking anybody. Just ask Jesus. But now we know preaching Jesus is not enough. They're not changing. You know, I have this statement that I heard this week, and I want to repeat. If preaching Jesus Christ does not lead people into holiness and righteousness, then know what the message will. I'm so sorry. If preaching Christ will not change anybody, then nothing else will. If preaching Christ will not lead you to, into wholeness, then nothing else will. You know, sometimes we think that the Ten, Ten Commandments, the law, is greater than Jesus. They say, look, if you fulfill this, you're good with God. But then Jesus is just, yeah, Jesus is you know, the, the way out. Like, if you cannot do it, Jesus will save you anyways. No, Jesus is everything. Jesus fulfilled the whole law. Jesus is right. Jesus is perfect. Amen. Okay, amazing. This is really good, but what do I do now? You know, what, what does it mean truly and in real and in practical way to be free from the law? What does it mean? And I want to present to you these three Christians. There are three Christians right now, and you will choose which one you are, but at the end, I want you to go to the same place. Amen? So the first Christian is the legalist Christian. He's a slave to the law. Like Paul is saying, can you put up the verse again, Do 5-1? You know, he's a slave to the law, and Paul is saying to this Christian, please don't go back. He believes that his relationship with God depends on his obedience to the commandments of the law. So he is this guy. You know, I am free, but now I'm going back. I'm, submit, I'm submitting again to the yoke of slavery. And he judges people around them. And I, I gave you this illustration already. They look at people and say, see, they're not good enough. They, 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 don't, they don't pray as I pray. They don't read the Bible as I read the Bible. You know, pastor, look, you know, these guys, they do the same thing. They go to life group and then they, they go out and get crazy. I'm like, man, take care of your life. Focus on you right now. Focus on Jesus. Stop looking to their sin and look, and look to Christ. So the legalist Christian, you got to tell them, stop trying and start trusting. You know, you need to understand that the legalist Christian He's not an evil person. It's not that he's a bad person. He wants to do the right thing, but he's doing the wrong way. He wants to please God, but they, that, but they don't really understand that they cannot please God by themselves. So the legalist Christian, when he comes to you, he says, you know what? You got to pray more. You got to fulfill the law. You got to do all these things in order to please God. So they are trying to please God, but in the wrong way. They don't understand yet that God is looking from heaven and saying, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And that's what God is saying to them, but they think that they should do even more. So to these people, 
And if this is you today, I want to remind you, you have to stop trying to please God because He's already pleased. He's already satisfied with you. Amen. The second is the antimonia Christian. Antimonian Christian. And I know maybe you don't know this word. I didn't know as well until I was preparing for this message. So anti means against. Monos means law. So antimonian means against the law. It's the kind of Christian that they are in grace, but they live against the law completely. So they say, because I'm in grace, I am free to do whatever I want. Everything's now lawful for us because we are under grace. So we can do whatever we want. We can get drunk. We can sleep with girls. We can do all these things. I can, I can cheat on my wife. I can divorce her. I can do all these things because I am under grace. And you don't want to be this Christian as well. But to this guy, we, we preach Christ. We say, hey, that's, that's not how it works. You know, Christ is in you, and you are in Christ. So now you don't walk by the law of Moses, but now there's a greater law that only Jesus himself can fulfill in you. But now you have to choose to believe in Christ and Christ crucified. So you preach Christ to them. And now there is a third Christian, and I expect and I hope that we can all meet in this place. The third type is a spirit-filled believer. He keeps the law, but not by his own effort. Amen, church. The, the, the precept of, of the law is fulfilled in him because he walks in the spirit. By letting the spirit control his life, he experiences the peace of not having to keep the law to please God. And at the same time, the joy of seeing the law being fulfilled by the spirit who dwells in him. Freedom from the law does not mean that we are free from doing God's will. The real meaning is that we are freed from having to do by ourselves what he wants. And we are also free from trying to please him in our own. We, are no, we no longer need to try to please God by keeping the law. In order to feel good with him, we are accepted by God because of the righteousness of Christ. Amen. The law cannot justify men, but grace, but by grace we receive Christ's righteousness. The law demands justice from the sinner, while grace grants justice to the sinner. The law demands perfection, but grace grants perfection to everyone who believes.